Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to come together and study your word. We just thank you for your presence. We thank you for a good discussion. We give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick reminder, too. Um, Ms. Lynn and I, my, my bride, a week from today, we're going to be on Hilton Head Island. So we're going to be, <laughs> we're going to be on, I'm just telling you, we're going to be on Hilton Head Island. A week from today at this time, we will be on Hilton Head Island. We, you, you can talk all you want. Uh, you can talk all you want about it, and uh, it's not going to change a thing. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just making, making you aware that um, if you are able to step in and, and fill in for a Sunday school, we would be happy for you to do so. Um, we need to get this done by the end of the day, so by the end of, by the end of church, frankly. So just giving you a heads up for that. All right, so let's move on. Continuing in part one, and we talked about how heaven is a real place, and we made the distinction of that, and we were discussing that, and we had a reading about that in Revelation 21, uh, about what heaven would really look like, that new Jerusalem that we discussed. Um, That's what it's going to be called. That's what it's referred to in Scripture. We also, if you look at the handout, oh, by the way, the phone number at the hotel, if you want to jot it down, if you want to make a phone call, 330-945. Four one six zero. Yeah, I would recommend calling the hotel directly. You can call a reservation line, but you'll get all kinds of yeah. You'll get whatever they. You, you'll get you'll get somewhere, but it won't be probably where you need to go. That's right. Three three zero nine four five forty one sixty. That's the number for the Hampton Inn. So if you want to start calling and reserving rooms right now, they are blocked out for us. Uh, they're going to be blocked out until April first part of April. So. Make your plans now. Those are the dates. Yes. Uh, 945-4160. You're welcome. You're welcome. We'd love to have you. You can come. Right on. That's right. Okay. So in number one, we talked about that, that heaven was a real place. The section number two on the back of your handout, page two of, the, of side one. The Bible also tells us that heaven is the dwelling place of God. We discussed that about how there's the, his throne is there, the angels are there, the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, according to Philippians 3.20. And we eagerly await a Savior there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And we had a great discussion about that. That comes from Luke 23.43. Because that thief on the cross recognized immediately that Jesus Christ was Lord. And he had all the authority. And he gave that authority to him and recognizing that. And I think the discussion that we talked about last week was the importance of seeing that when someone declares the Lord Jesus Christ as salvation, it's an instantaneous conversion. It's a change from death to life for that person. Spiritual death to spiritual life and eternity with Christ. That's a very instantaneous thing and there's a promise that he makes, when he made that thief promise to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, that promise applies to every single one of us who acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord. No exceptions. No exceptions. And let's be clear about this, too. There are some people that we know, and there are people who are friends who are Catholic. And you know what? And they practice the Catholic faith, but the only thing that requires their citizenship in heaven is what? Acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord. 
So if they practice Catholicism and they go all through all this other stuff too, they'll have to sort that out with them themselves as far as what's relevant and what's important. But ultimately, Christ is Lord. And that's all that matters. And so we need to keep that in mind as we even have conversations with people of different faiths about that very thing. You know, there's a, there's a friend um, that we know who actually happens to be a general manager of a radio station. And he's written a book, and he is a practicing Catholic. He practices it, he, he writes about it, he talks about it, he blogs about it. But I know he's going to see the Lord because he loves Jesus Christ and acknowledges who Christ is. And as long as he is the preeminent person that we look to as Lord, then that's all that matters. We can get through, cut through all the muck and you know, we can talk about what's important. You know, we have churches that think that traditionalism is always important. Traditionalism is not important. Traditionalism takes a second a back, uh, a back seat to acknowledging Christ as Lord and Savior. So that's something we have to always keep in mind. The third point on the handout, and uh, the author of this finds it fascinating, the Bible hints that heaven is not as far away as we might think. Because heaven is a real place, sometimes we, must, we think it must be outside our present universe, which would mean that it is billions and billions of light years away. Do you, do you believe that or do you think that at all? No? It's not billions and billions of light years away. Let's start with that. I don't believe that for a minute. If, 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 that, if that were the case, then I'm not really sure that that really would be, be helpful for us. Even It's not really relevant to anything. But um, it's very clear that early Christians understood that they would pass immediately from this life into the presence of Christ in heaven. Now, that's not billions and billions of light years. That would be a problem. <laughs> so, well, let's look at this logically. When Jesus Christ told the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise, he said today. So, even within a 24-hour, let's just, we know it was in the afternoon when he died on the cross, correct? And then Jesus died on the cross not long after that. He's saying today, so sometime within that time frame, we're talking about an instantaneous place in heaven. So we're not talking about a long time. We're not talking about some place that's so far away that you've got to get a train to get to it. Okay? You know, you hear all these, these stories about the pearly gates and, you know, you have to travel. And, and even when people have these near-death experiences, they see a light and, they, and there's this tunnel type of, type of effect. But even then, we're not talking about something that's far away. We're talk, still talking about something that's relatively close. Of course, we don't know until we get there. Amen? I mean, we have to trust that, but... If you look at it from a standpoint of Scripture, it can't be very far away. If Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise, that means within that calendar day. That's right. Okay. So, how can that be possible if heaven is beyond the farthest galaxy? That's the question that's being asked. Hebrews 12, 
verses 22 to 24, tell us something amazing about what the gospel has done. Now, it is, it's actually, if you want to turn to your Bible, you can, but it's actually on your handout, I believe, if I'm looking at that correctly, uh, where the bullet point is. Uh, Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men, made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So we're looking at how close in proximity we are with between death and life, thousands and thousands of angels, the presence of Christ in heaven, and they're all in joyful assembly to the church of of the firstborn. Who are the church of the firstborn? The firstborn are believers. And it says the church of the firstborn, which implies those who are dead in the body of Christ, along with those angels. Now, what we can say It's not that far away, but it's a huge place. We can say that just because of the presence of all those angels, all those who are dead in Christ before us. And there are going to be more, of course, even after we leave here. More and more people are going to come to a saving knowledge of Christ, and they're going to be opened up, and there will be a place prepared for those people in heaven. It's a fascinating thing to think about. And reflect upon. And of course, that goes back to the comment that we made earlier about with God, all things are possible. So we don't know how that's going to be accomplished. We, we have no way of knowing that with our own human reasoning. We have to believe that that's what's going to be waiting for us. Amen? Okay. You get a lot of people just kind of stare at you when you start talking about that. That's what it comes down to. It is early, I know. The writer here is here comparing Mount Sinai with Mount Zion. Under the Old Covenant, no one could come near God except under very strict conditions. That's why the mountain shook with thunder and lightning. Note, three times the writer of Hebrews uses a Greek word that that means to come near or to approach closely. But now in Christ, we have been brought near to heavenly realities. Think of what he is saying. We are not that far from heaven. We're not that far from the angels. We're not that far from our loved ones in heaven. We're not that far from God. We're not that far from Jesus himself. Heaven is a real place. It's where Jesus is right now, and it's not far away from us. Amen. Any questions about that? None whatsoever, huh? It's actually something, and I know my wife said it's early. She's right, it's early. But, it, <laughs> but at the same time, there is something to ponder there. Those, those bullet points are very, very important for us to recognize. Those who have left us, our family members, our loved ones, We're going to see them again one day if we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and if they had a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. We're going to see him. Yes. That's a great point. That is a. Did anybody hear what she just said? You have to repeat it again for everybody. So, nice. Correct. That is the elder uttermost. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, my wife and I will be friends in heaven. We'll have a brother-sister relationship. We won't be married. The marriage was here. Yeah. Yeah. It's romantic. It's romantic, and you know what? It's... but. But it also, it's a, there you go. It's a feel-good thing. That's exactly right. Because, and you have to understand where that comes from. You know, if, you're, if your wife or your husband dies before you, there's a separation, clearly. So it's an emotional thing. So, you know, that, well, he's with the Lord, you know, and all that. You have to understand when Billy Graham passed away, and we all heard about that, you know, there was rejoicing for many people, because apparently he had been lingering. He had been kind of uh, not having the best of health over the last few years. It, it, he was uh, pretty much at home all the time. But he's now at rest with the Lord. He, is, he, he has said publicly and declared publicly, don't, re- don't, re- don't, don't weep for me. Rejoice, because I'm with the Lord now. He said that he would say that when he was passed on. Yes. Okay. Sure. Every now and then, right. Periodically Catholic, okay. Sure. That's a great question. That's a great question. Well, when you're created, you you are created to live forever. So it's not going to be your physical body that's going to be alive forever. It's going to be your spirit. Right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's your spirit. That's exactly right. And, and keep in mind, and, and this is where we get, it gets even more fascinating, so we're talking about all spirits being alive in heaven with the, with the Lord because... Essentially, we're going to be residing with angels and those who have died before. Think about the rapture. Now, we're talking about something completely different. Because during the time of the rapture, our bodies, we will change into a completely different form, which no one knows exactly what that's going to be. It's just going to be different. It's not going to be a body like this. And... For, I'm sure for your sake and for my sake, we don't want the body like this going up into heaven. We want a different body. 
We want a different way of doing things. So, yes, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. 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 All right. <laughs> yes. Small talk. Yes. I hear you. Okay. Yes, go ahead. What age will everyone be in heaven? Oh, this is from gotquestions.org. There you go. Gotquestions.org is actually a very, very great source. Um, I've, I've recommended them to you before. I, I'm, I'm going to keep recommending them because I think, <clears throat> by and large, they, they get a lot of questions and they try to ask and actually answer them. So, here's the question. What age will everyone be in heaven? And the answer is, the Bible does not specifically answer this question. Will babies and children who die still be babies and children in heaven? What about elderly people who die? Do they remain elderly in heaven? Some have guessed that babies are given a resurrected body, 1 Corinthians 15, 35-49, that is fast-forwarded to the ideal age. And just as those who die at an old age are rewound to the ideal age. Now, what is the ideal age? All right, well, hold on. Let's, let's take a <laughs> This would indicate that there won't be any children or elderly people in heaven. I kind of agree with that. I, I think your spirit... Is, is something that we have to kind of take into account here. But let's look at what it says here further. What is the ideal age? Again, this concept is not specifically biblical. Some believe it to be around 30. Some guess 33, since it's the approximate age Jesus was when he died. First John 3, 2 declares, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One thing is for certain, whatever age we appear to be, we will be gloriously perfect. Our entire person will be remade, remade flawless, holy, and completely Christ-like. We will lose all trace of human fallenness, amen, wearing the white robes of purity, holiness, and absolute perfection. So whatever age we are, it will be the age of complete and total perfection. So that's an answer. Now, a lot of it is speculative because the scriptures don't give us this age-specific thing. So a lot of this stuff we're going to have to find out. And we'll have to see when we get to it. You have your hand up. I don't know. You're going to, the one thing you're going to possess, you have to understand something. 
when you're dead in Christ and you're, and you're in heaven now, you're going to possess additional things that you don't have right now, including the ability to see and perceive much more than you have right now. That, that I do know. That you're going to have that because you're going to be able to know. If you're able to recognize, well, let's think about this for a moment. If you're able to recognize those people who came before you that you knew personally in heaven, and you're able to see who they are in a totally different state, well, you, you've got, that's something that goes beyond what you're capable of doing right now. And again, we, we have to only go by, we can't, we can't go too far off the reservation. We have to kind of look at it. We can't make it out to be something it's not. Let's, let's start with that. And that's kind of hard to do because we really don't have enough information to do that. We only know what we, we, know, what we know based upon Scripture and people reading Scripture and pulling from Scripture. And I kind of think that age-specific thing, that ideal age thing, actually makes some sense. Because not so much what Ronnie said about we can't have babies in heaven we're caring for, but <laughs> because... That won't be necessary, but it, it does make sense. Let me, let me challenge you with something. Think of all the aborted babies. Think of, now remember, once life is conceived, it's conceived. There's no turning back from that. I don't care what the debate's been about, well, this, the fetus is only this so many weeks. I'm sorry. Absolutely Incorrect. Once the baby is conceived, it is a conceived baby. What happens to that aborted child? What do you think happens? Never had a chance to live, but there's a spirit. We may find and see all those aborted children. Something to think about. Pardon me? Along with those children who are stillborn. That's right. Even, even through the natural childbirth process, the ones that lived up to a certain point and then were stillborn. Doesn't change anything. Those, they, they were created. Those were created beings with a spirit. That's exactly right. So we, we need to all even keep that in mind. So how does that affect this ideal age thing that we're talking about? But this is, again, remember what we said, with God, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When there's a conceived, yeah. Yeah. That's right. None for me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, the argument was a was a political argument. It was not an argument based upon really assessing what life when life is conceived. It was a political argument. So you have to put that where it is. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll talk about that. I'll, I, I actually have an answer. I have an answer for that. 
That's right. Does somebody else have their hand up over here? I just want to make sure. Because I've, I've walked away and I did that. Cloning. Well, yeah, you can clone a dog. We've seen that. Do you think you can clone a human being? Do you? You can't clone those things that belong to God, which is the soul and the spirit. That's what Roscoe just said. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Can you reproduce cells from one person to another? Yes. You can. It's, it's easy to do. It's not that, not that difficult. You can actually pull cells from one person. Look, we have heart transplants. We have all kinds of things that are taking place right now where you clearly can use something from someone else and put that in, in another person's body. And we can, with the medical technology now, we can actually make it function. You can do that. Can you now create or clone a spirit? Then that's the end of the discussion. You don't have that capability. Man does not have that capability. The spirit is something that is entirely God-produced. If, if, the, if God ordains that to take place, sure. But that's the point I'm making is that we can't do it. We can, we can create, theoretically, another human being, a physical being, but it's not going to do anything without a spirit. It's not going to function. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You can't, we can't make something out of nothing. God can make something out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. So, uh, my wife, any, any other questions about that? We'll move on. We completed, you passed out the handouts. I'm sorry. I know I didn't finish my sentence, did I? I'm sorry about that. Okay. It's like, what? My wife, what? Okay, so what is heaven like? We are on parts two and three. What is heaven like? I would answer by saying the Bible doesn't give us a great deal of information. And that's just what we said. We only have a little bit of information about what heaven is like. Revelation 21 gives us a physical presentation. Uh, You can call it like a house tour or how our neighborhood walk or whatever you want to call it, of what heaven is like based upon what it's made out of, what it consists of and all that. But we don't have a lot of details about that. We have a very general interpretation based upon, no, I should take it back, general description based upon what John wrote in Revelation. And understand, that's what was given to him. That was the vision that he was given by God to write that. So, we're not saying the vision's incorrect. We're saying the vision is accurate, but it's still, a, it's still not a complete picture. So what we have are images and pictures of heaven and comparisons with life on earth. So, and, and the reason why we have comparisons with life on earth is because that's all we can relate to. 
that's our point of reference. We can't reference anything other than what we know. You know, ideally, I would love to have a roller skating rink in heaven. Would that be the coolest thing ever? But that's not my call. <laughs> so, but, but, we, but, but that's something that I can relate to personally. So, but let's move on from that uh, goofiness. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Oh, the writer in Hebrews. Well, you'll have to find, to come near. Um, I'm going to let my wife look that up. And I'll, I'll, that's all right. We can, we can look it up. Okay, so what is heaven like? There are seven, seven biblical facts about heaven. It is... Number one, God's dwelling place. Let's turn to Psalm 33. Psalm 33:13. It's just one sentence. Psalm 33:13 says the Lord looks down from heaven, he observes everyone. Now that implies what? Heaven is above. And the Lord is looking down upon us. And that's what's implied. Although we have to understand that what's I mean what is what is relative? We know above is like the second floor, the third floor. What does that mean, right? But we, it implies that he's looking down upon us. Heaven is above. Number 2, where Christ is today. Go to Acts one eleven. Well, let's even go back before that. Let's start with verse six. Acts one six. And it's interesting that, of course, when we know, we talk about Jesus Christ, the heading in this section here is what? The ascension. Does everybody see that? Does everybody have that in your... The ascension. Well, to ascend means you're going up. Right? You're going up. So, it says in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that's giving the word that the Holy Spirit is going to be coming soon after he leaves. Then verse 9, after he said this, after he had said this, he was taken up, as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, you got to understand that stuff like this doesn't happen every day. Amen? When, when a cloud shows up and pulls the Lord and takes him up out, out of sight, that's not something you walk and see every day. Verse 10, while he was going, they were gazing into heaven... And suddenly, two men in white clothes stood by them. They were looking up. 
They looked down, and there were two guys down on the ground with them standing there. This is all happening at the same time. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. And that's it for the story of Jesus, at least while he was on earth. But again, the point is, is that that is where Christ is today. He is there. That is his place of residence. His primary place of residence. Okay? And he was taken up into heaven, which follows what was just being said in Psalm thirty-three, thirteen. Number three, where Christians go when they die. Philippians, go to Philippians 1. By the way, my wife is working very hard to try to find that verse for you, or for that word for you, uh, just so you know. She is working. Well, she's, that's all right. She might be getting close. She's, um, she's whipped out a Greek-Hebrew thing here, I think. Um, Philippians 1, verses 21 through 23. Yes, the Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. All right, sidebar. Is this the word? Ooh, hold it. Whatever it was disappeared. You have come, yes. That's that word up there. Which, proser komahi. Proser komahi. It's a, that's a, you have to understand we're reading it in, 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 it's a transliteration in Greek. It's a Greek word. It literally means to come near. It's, she wanted the American version of that, so I don't know if there's an American word for that or not. It may not be. But it's used 90 times in the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's the version of the word come, but it's a, it's a, it literally means come near, visit, or figuratively, figuratively worship, assent to. I mean, if you were to pronounce it, it's proser com ahi. Only the pronunciation. She has to show you what this is. It, it, it's literally, it's a Greek word. It's not anything you would recognize. Okay. It's another version of the word come. Come near is what it is. So, yeah, it's, that was the way to pronounce it. Okay. We do what we can here. You're welcome. Okay. So, and it is used 90 times in Scripture. 90 times in the Bible. So, okay. All right, so we've got um, Philippians 1, 21 through 23. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Amen. Now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two, I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. You know what? That's actually the attitude that we all should have. I mean, you're here for a reason and a purpose. And that purpose is to do what? To speak about Christ. And to minister on behalf of Jesus Christ. And for the time that he gives you to do that, that's what you should be doing. And we don't know when our time is up. When our time is up, we'll have that fellowship with the Lord because he'll dictate that. He'll say, this is when the time is up. 
But until that time, we are to remain for the purpose of serving Him. Amen? Number four, the Father's house. John chapter 14. We've read this before, but this is a good reminder. John 14. We'll start with verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. To me, this is fascinating. I I just can't help but just rejoice knowing that I have a place waiting for me. And I know it's not going to be some slum-ridden joint. It's going to be a nice place. It's a place he's preparing for us. Fascinating. I, if you really think about that, you as a believer in Jesus Christ have a place waiting for you. That's fascinating. It really is. Yes. Okay. Oh, this morning. Oh. Okay. Amen. Amen. Sure. Sure. Okay. You know, that's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? It really comes down to having an, a, an attitude that what you're doing is for Jesus Christ. And for the time that he gives you, you know that that time is coming very near when you're going to be with him. And just like the comments that Billy Graham made and just like the comments that this gentleman made about his life, knowing that there's going to be an end point to it, you're going to be, you're going to be with the Lord. That's a, that's a great, great thing to be able to share. And that is a testimony to others about the confidence that you have knowing where you're going to be. That's really important. If you can speak boldly about where you know you're going to be, that's a great testimony. Yes, go ahead, I'm sorry. Absolutely. But my spirit is there for something better. Amen. Because my flesh would rather be there than I am here. <laughs> sure. I just know that he's there. Yes. The efforts that are really beyond praising God. A million percent better off. Yeah. 
Spirit gives you what you need to be able to deal with that. Absolutely. I actually thought about that when you're talking about that. I actually thought about Ken. And yet, he is much better off. Much better off where he is today. Amen? Amen. Okay. That was one bell. Let's see if we can get to the next point here. Number five. A city and designed and built by God. Hebrews 11.10. Is there any better builder than God himself? Amen. He is the one who enables, he was the one who enabled um, the people who were in Solomon's day to build that temple. But where do you think that came from? That was God-given. That's a God-given talent and ability to do those things. Hebrews 11.10. Well, let's start with verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out a place, set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Heaven had to be created by God. There's just no other way to look at it. That's right. What does Genesis 1 say? The heavens and the earth. Very good. Exactly right. And that, the interesting thing is that in the beginning, word. So God pre-existed that creation. And when we say he was the uncreated creator, he was there. So he actually created a dwelling place for himself. Very, very interesting. Okay. This is one of your quiet moments today. I'm, I'm watching you. You're flipping pages like crazy over there, but just, you're just observing today. That's all right. I, I knew that, that, I knew this was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six, a better country. Hebrews eleven sixteen. same section. Just drop down. Well, let's, let's just read down. Start with verse 11. We, that's where we left off. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she was considered the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So there's a place. That's right. That's right. It's a city. It's a place of residence. Remember, we all have to have a place to go. We all have to have a place to go. And I would much rather be in a place that God created for me than the other place. Because you notice there's nothing about a residence there 
There's no talk about that. That's a place where you're separated from God for eternity. And the great gulf fixed, I will never forget that. The, the way that you can actually see heaven from that place of torment. That is something that is just unbelievable to me. And that's the only place we see that in Scripture, too. But yet it's there. Okay. Well, that, that ends that class on a happy note. So we'll, we'll pick up next time. And we'll pick up, I'm sorry? We'll pick up in two weeks. That's right. In two weeks, I need to know who's going to cover for me next week. So I need to know that. No, I need to know that today. And my wife, I can't speak well. I can't talk good right now. So I'm doing better at that, talking. By the end of the day, I need to know who's going to cover for my class. Amen? Let's close out in prayer. Father, thank you for this time uh, that you've given us to come before you and just let the Spirit speak. And we thank you for your reassurance. We thank you for how you speak to us. We thank you for how you have given us the confidence that you have prepared this place for us. And Lord, we just need to keep challenging our faith because you promise in your words with God all things are possible. You have no limit. There's nothing that limits you. We have limits on us all the time because of our flesh. But yet, Lord, you are supreme. You are the one who cares for us. You're the one who knows our very hearts, our very minds. Bless us, Lord. We also now ask that you bless the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. We will see you in two weeks.